Uh-oh. Is everything good? I'm good. Oh, I'm, I'm lagging. You're lagging? It's re- You are recording, you mother shit. Yeah, what, what are you talking about? Of course I'm recording. I didn't see it. I, I was wow. like, oh. Boy, it's been a struggle to get this going. First of all, I forgot we were going to record. Second of all, I'm doing this on uh, some pirated uh, lo-fi equipment right now. It is. Yes. Uh, so I apologize, everybody. Guys, I am feeling great. I just got big news. Announcement time. Announcements coming up. I am getting out of the parents' house for at least a summer. Probably going to be a launching pad to getting a job and just moving the fucking on. Loser Butters is no longer fucking alive for at least temporary, for at least a little while. I'm so (laughs) happy. Had a small amount of tequila to celebrate. I am uh, over the moon. I'm going to North Dallas. I'm going to be about 15 minutes from Love Field Airport. Um, Which means you're 15 minutes from like uh, Nashville, baby. One from, of the dopest parts of fucking Dallas. Right. It's uh, it's going to be hot, hot mat summer. That's what we're calling it. Hot mat summer. I'm going to be living hot mat summer up here in New York. And then I'm going to yeah, come are. down to Dallas and we're going to party. We're going <laughs> to call us an Uber. We're going to oh, go. We're going to. Yes. Oh, yeah. We're going to call us an Uber or actually we're going to call Lyft because I have Lyft pink. So I get uh, 10 to 15 percent discounts, express pairing and express pickups. Everybody Lyft pink. Check it out. And I get 10 times points on my credit card. Are we getting um, paid? What the fuck is this? What is this shit? Move well, on maybe, from the lift. So my goal is that if we just start plugging brands, then they'll notice and say like, hey, these guys have been plugging us. We should give them some money. Sure, sure. While we're at it, uh, West Elm for all your furniture needs. <laughs> we are not team Ikea. <laughs> no. Ikea sucks. <laughs> That's children's furniture. A dick. <laughs> if you wanna, if you wanna like listen, if you wanna like play house, buy IKEA. If you wanna <laughs> get furniture, you go to West Elm. Minimum. I'm I'm a little bit more of a crate and barrel guy. Hey, but dude, crate and barrel's good shit. Yeah. Or you know, what's that one uh, kitchen? My mom has all this equipment. It's all like you know, hundred and fifty dollar cookie sheets. Uh, it's not. <laughs> Winona Ryder. It's Winona. It's like Sonoma. Oh, yes, William, William Sonoma. Sonoma. William Sonoma. Winona Ryder. <laughs> That's fucking hilarious. I never even thought of that. Yeah. Um, um, so we got that. Would those would be great because look, it's a bunch of Gen X like lawyers that listen to us. Like that's a perfect plug for us. Yes. West Elm. William Sonoma. Lift Pink, if you're listening, hit us up, man. We really would like some of that advertising money. And my home is full of West Elm furniture. So, and I just dropped another two grand today. Oh, <laughs> fuck. Oh, yeah, baby. Shit. New couch coming to the Beery household. About to fuck shit up. That's great, man. Your couch looks <laughs> nice. It's a sectional L-shaped. You're going to yes, be able to baby. take some epic football naps on that motherfucker, I can tell. 
you love a mid-afternoon, you know, three beer deep snooze. It's, you know, it's the second quarter, halftime's coming up. You can pick it back up in the middle of the third and know exactly what happened while you were out. Wake up with a little bit of a headache, yell at the wife. It's a good day. Yeah, have another Miller Lite. Everything's fine. (laughs) But, um, hey, I'm excited for you, number one. Um, It's going to be fucking awesome for you getting closer to the city, too. Just because, I mean, you're out there in the burbs. I know. Sure, I guess. I mean, this is still very suburban. This is very, this is like 1950s suburban, like, like that pure uncut suburban, like that, like kind of uncomfortable history in Dallas suburban, you know what I mean? Like haunted, like sort of shit. There is this, uh, they, they have this stuffed like toy basset hound in this house that I'm going to be staying in. It's like a, it's like a life-size basset hound. That's like a toy. And at night that thing is the scariest shit I've ever seen. That's ridiculous. And it looks like there's just a dog. Like there's just like a, it looks like there's just a dog sitting in the dining room looking at you. That's the most random thing I've ever heard of anybody having in their home. I haven't taken a picture of it because I'm kind of scared of it. (laughs) Hell yes. As you should be. Um, But what I would say about the problematic history of the neighborhood is do what whites do best and just don't think about it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, what am I going to do? It wasn't my fucking fault, right? (laughs) I do do all the right hashtags. Exactly. I'm in a a state right now. This is I'm so I'm in such a good mood. I can't get over in what like the mood that I'm in. I mean, honest to God, this is one of the best moods you've been in in a long time. The only other time I've seen you in this good a mood was we actually talked about it on the last episode is when we were both vaccinated and hung out. (laughs) Yes. I was talking my head off that afternoon. I just get so excited to be around people that aren't Donna and Scott. Not that Donna and Scott aren't great, but it's just like, oh, my God, another person. I'm going to talk for 90 minutes straight. Tell you all this (laughs) bullshit you don't care about, but I'm going to but I'm just so excited to be around someone. No, it's dope. Yeah, I'm so fucking like. I'm I'm over the moon, over the moon. Good. Getting out there. I'm auditioning. Good. Me, too. I'm applying for jobs. It's a it's a hustle right now. Oh, oh, and announcement. I'm going to be able, you know, I'm going to actually talk to them about this. But uh, I I have um, if you live in Dallas and you want to go do a ghost tour, I'm going to be hosting ghost tours in downtown Dallas. In about two weeks, I'm going to train this weekend and then probably just be get thrown into the deep end. I've done guide work before for David Byrne of the Talking Heads. Um, it, yeah, you know, yeah. It, be careful. Don't don't trip on that name we just dropped. Oh, yeah. Be careful. Just step over that big ass name that I dropped. Um, I didn't mean to do that. I'm sorry. But uh, that was awesome. I loved it. <laughs> but uh, now I'm going to be doing it, you know, for 50 bucks a tour a night. Um, baby, and go, going around talking about the, you know the Masonic Temple. Funny enough, my former daycare is a stop on this tour. No shit. The place that I spent the first five years of my life. My mom finished maternity leave and dropped me off at First Presbyterian, and I lived in the basement for five years for five days a week. Fuck yeah! 
Went with That's my next hilarious. door neighbor. Went with my next door neighbor, Adrian. We dated later whenever I was like 14. Didn't go well, but it, but we're still buddies. <laughs> That's fucking great. Um, 13, 13, young, young, dumb shit. When, when do you start doing these ghost tours? Probably in a couple weeks. Okay. And you're just so going to do it. Uh, what do you mean? Sorry. I oh, I was going to say, you're just going to, you're just going to do it. Uh, like twice a week, three times a week. Just, there's no like, it's not like a limit on it. It's not like a seasonal thing. No, no, we just do it. Oh, okay, dope. I just it's wasn't Texas, sure. dude. The coldest it gets is like 40 degrees. I know. I was just checking. I didn't wonder. Sure. Hey, hey, after the winter you just had, I wouldn't jinx sure. myself. Okay. <laughs> they, it, throughout the whole hiring process, they're like, we don't cancel for rain. <laughs> Get ready. It's like, all right, all right indefinite is the word i was looking for yeah as far as i know i mean look it's not something i'm going to do for the rest of my life if i um, you know if i get hired by a school district i'm going to be dedicating time to that and um but you know it's going to be fun for the summer and fall and you know potentially the winter i mean it's going to be great and i'll and the reason why i bring it up is because i'm going to have promo codes that I'm going to be able to drop here, which I plan on dropping here on the podcast because I get a little kickback. Hell yes. And all you fans out there, you, you can better use this promo code and you can come see Matt Butterfield in person, give right. you a ghost tour of weird old Dallas. I'll give you a spook. We start, we start at the green pub at the green door public house. Uh, it's this old fucking building that got moved from Cesar Chavez and Elm street to right outside the farmer's market. And once they moved it, they kicked up a bunch of ghosts. Hell yes. And uh, that's where we start the tour and we go from there. They got it's, all it's, this crazy ghost energy going crazy. Shouldn't have moved that shit. Uh, one stop, one stop on the way is the courthouse where uh, Lee Oswald was assassinated by Jack Ruby. Because mm-hmm. we got to bring up JFK at least once. Although he Dude. only comes up once. Really? During that. Yeah, yeah. They're kind of like, surprising. Eh, they're kind of, well, here's the deal, man. Everybody's fucking, the, number one, there are JFK tours in Dallas that mm-hmm. we can't really fuck with. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, and, and they're better at what they do. And I would, I would guess at least. Um, and uh yeah they've been yada, around yada. they've been around but, they've been doing the jfk tours for decades right it, it, but also like we've heard the jfk story you know what i mean like everyone knows everyone's got everyone's got a thought about it everyone knows about it everyone's like jack ruby was in the mob it's like jack ruby was associated with jack ruby paid the mob protection money like yes that's like like he was he wished he was a wannabe. You know what I mean? He was very yeah. much like as far back as I could. He was a Henry Hill. Like he was, he, he was, was, he was Irish. I mean, what are they going to do? Like I think of Irishman. him as more, I think of Jack Ruby more as a Mark. Yes, absolutely. He was a Mark that got used. Uh, well, by the mafia. No, no dude. You got to listen to last podcast, uh, doc, um, series on JFK. They I get have, into but Jack it's Ruby. Been, a year since I've listened to it. Right. It was a year ago. Uh, I've listened to it a few times, actually. And they 
Jack Ruby killed Lee Oswald on a total whim. Yeah. Oh, I wasn't talking about the I mob. I can't hear music. you. Hold on. Pause. Okay. And sorry for that technical glitch, folks. But what I was getting at when I said he was used by the mob, not that he was used by the mob to kill JFK. I just mean in like a lot of his other business dealings, they like used him for his club. They, like you said, extorted oh. him for protection money. He was a mark. Sure. He was a mark who was slightly associated and then like, you know, took it into his own hands. Sure. Okay. I see what you mean. Yeah. yeah he yeah. wasn't. I just mean a lot of people think he was set up by the mob. Hey, hey, dummies. A lot of people think he was set up by the mob to um, kill Oswald. And that that didn't that's not what happened. No, absolutely not. Not a chance. It's a weird. God, I don't want to get into JFK on this show. But... Right. I mean, it's just like, what are we going to do? But my point being is just like everyone has done JFK. And so they want to talk about other parts of Dallas history like Robert Johnson recorded one of two of his uh, recording sessions ever in Dallas. Yeah. Dallas and San Antonio. Right. Like, and, and we kind of stopped by that building. Um, it's actually owned by that church that I was just talking about for Presby where I went to uh, daycare. Um, they own that building because they wanted to save it. It's behind the Masonic temple. So it's a bunch of, Creepy shit, you know what I mean? Dallas has such a weird and interesting history. Like driving around downtown Dallas, Swiss Avenue, Deep Ellum, all those old neighborhoods with my in-laws. Like mm -hmm. they have story after story after story because they're born and raised in yeah, Dallas wow. proper. They're born and raised in uh, Oak Cliff. So they know that place like the back of their fucking hand. They've got stories sure. for days. It's a weird town, man. It's a it's a weird, interesting little town that like sashays around at Little Town, like city. You know what I mean? But like yeah. Dallas kind of sashays around as this like fancier, this fancy, holier than right. now place. But it's right. really just got like a super fucked up, weird mafia, racist history. That's oh yeah, oh <laughs> yeah. I am in the process of organizing thoughts on a noir project that's based in Dallas. And I, and I want to base it off of the clan's influence and takedown by the Dallas morning news in the 1920s. Ooh, interesting. There's this amazing article in D magazine that just opened my eyes to doing more research on it. And it's a wild story. I think that it could be boiled down to, you know, obviously it'd be a fictionalized version and I kind of want to like suss it up. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Like by not putting it in the 1920s. Ah. But in fact, the 2020s. Ooh. And, uh, and obviously, I mean, I, I, I've talked about that with some people. I've thrown that idea out there and everybody gets really mad whenever I put whenever I've, I've put it. It's not like that anymore. And it's just like, yeah, I know it's 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 supposed to be it's supposed to elicit a reaction. It's not really meant to be historically accurate. It would be it's called a movie, you cunt. Like, yeah. And and, and also uh, that immediately makes it about ten million dollars cheaper to make. Because we don't have to like redress Dallas to 1920s level. Thank you know you. what I mean? 
And let's also um, just go ahead and throw this out there while we're on the subject um, of groups of people with little to no sense of humor about where they come from. Texans. Um, <laughs> make a joke about Texas and you will be met with hostility and anger. Yes. Yes. Well, that's not fair. It's like, it's <laughs> a joke. It's a joke. It's, a, it's like, don't take it so seriously. Two things you can do to piss off a Texan. A, make a joke about Texas. Mm-hmm. B, say Whataburger's just okay. Here's the deal, man. I had In-N-Out over the weekend, and I don't even know why we have the conversation about In-N-Out versus Whataburger. Whataburger is clearly better. They're completely different. Like, they're this. not even. Like, when In-N-Out wishes it was Whataburger, they I don't wish even they... think it does. I think it's just its own thing. I, you know, the fans created this. In-N-Out just wanted to make more money. They, they didn't come in saying, we're going to take down Whataburger. Or sorry, they're Southern California. Like, eh, dude, yeah. you're coming in to take down Whataburger, bruh. <laughs> no, that's not how this worked. They're just a company that wanted to make more money. They saw an opportunity in Texas, and they took that opportunity. And Texans, who are extremely insecure about anything coming from outside of Texas to Texas, decided to let that inferiority complex play out about fucking cheeseburgers. <laughs> rant complete thanks for coming to my ted talk in and out sucks dude in and out sucks <laughs> i fucking like those french fries are garbage the french they fries are you, trash do you want onions it's like yes like Ugh. i want it how it comes why <laughs> why are you asking me about do i want onions it's like that's just weird to me um and it's the burger itself is just fine. I, yeah. I I think I think it's comparable to a Whataburger burger, but not better. It's not better, and the well, fries the ruin it. It's it also for me. it's like significantly cheaper than a Whataburger burger. Both cost eight fifty if you get the if you get the meal. Yeah. Well, I just think of when I think of an In and Out burger, I think of just like a cheap fast food drive through burger. When I think of Whataburger, I think of like a little stepped up bigger no. a little tastier like i'm giving whataburger a compliment like stepped up I fast food burger but, but you're but yeah okay sure like in and out just like it's a cheap fast food burger with like the little kitschy fucking thing of having the secret menu it's nothing crazy nothing special but it's quick also, it's fast it's cheap also fuck the secret menu yeah i'm not a big fan we've, of all this we've shit. talked about it we've talked about it yeah we've covered this but but um, also i'm just gonna throw in there uh, once this place starts getting bigger nationally, which it is, I adore Shake Shack. Yeah, Shake Shack sure. is phenomenal. It's good. It's Danny Myers, baby. You don't get better, but the Danny Meyer. Oh, is he? As, I didn't know Shake Shack was Danny Myers. Oh, oh, it's legendary. That's his like. That's Fuck. his nut. <laughs> He I always think other... of him with Blue Smoke, which is outstanding. Right. Blue Smoke, Gramercy Tavern, Union Square Cafe, uh, and then Untitled at the, I think at the MoMA. It's either the MoMA or the Whitney. I forget. It's the Whitney. Anyway, he's opened like six restaurants and never closed the one. And nice. then in Shake Shack. And Shake Shack started off as a hot dog stand, turned into a burger grill. Uh, yeah, he the OG is the Madison Square Park one, right? Right, and they only pay a, 
their rent situation is that they pay 1% of their earnings in rent. Oh. Oh. Which is actually a shitload of money. Well, yes, but still, like, right. that's amazing. But And it goes into a foundation that uh, maintains the park in, uh, in, wild, in parks in New York City. Oh. That's Obviously, amazing. that's not the case for the other Shake Shack locations, but mm. with the OG location, that's still the deal. Danny Myers has revolutionized restaurant in the restaurant industry. I'm like, I think he's like the Jesus Christ of restaurant businesses. I kind of went off and got surprise, surprise. I got on a soapbox on Facebook and pissed <laughs> people off. Uh, really? You never do yeah. that. <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to rehash it because I, I don't know. I feel like some people took it too personally, but also, uh, <laughs> but also I was right. <laughs> Good God. Um, but I didn't think I was that harsh. I, it's not like I was naming people specifically. I was just like, this culture is fucked up. And, and I should have brought up that Danny Myers does this new, has this new model of payment. Um, uh, or what's that? It's a European model. Sure. Yeah. That's it is. how that's how the service industry, yeah, all over Europe. Sure. When's the last time you you were in the UK for Stratford? Have you been to other parts ago, of Europe? No, I've only been okay. to England. Okay. I mean, it's just you you know, you leave a a euro or two on the table. And they don't it. and they and they say you don't have to he goes, don't do that. Yeah, I remember. I remember. I remember tipping whenever we were, and we would we would go to this place every night because they had a beer and there was a beer, a burger, and fries for six pounds, and it was just yep. like cheap as shit. And it was like great. You're in a pub. It's a nice. It's you know it's not like a nice place, but it's nice. It's it, you know you got wood furniture, not plastic furniture, dark lighting. It's it's a pub, yeah. and we'd give him six quid and then we'd all just kind of be like, and here's a seventh. And he would be like, guys, guys, no, 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 no. Stop. And this is a man in a vest and a tie slacks, all his shoes. Like, yeah. So for six bucks, I mean, it's obviously it's six pounds, but it's like it, to him, it's six bucks and he's, and he's dressed nicely and refusing tips. Oh yeah, I remember the last time I was in London. Uh, we went to this great little this great little pub by our hotel. Had a phenomenal conversation with this bartender, this Irish kid. I mean, I think he told me he was like 22, poured a perfect pint of Guinness, had a great fucking time shooting the shit with this kid all night long. Sure. And then I go to there. I go to throw uh, like just a hand, you know, a few pounds of like the mm -hmm. single pound coins in the fucking uh, jar. And he was like, no, 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 bro. Don't fucking worry about it. And yeah. I was like, what? And he was like, yeah, don't worry about it. It's good. We're fine. <laughs> I was like, okay. Right. Cool. Right. <laughs> it's, Whereas I, here, I thought, it's like, if I right. go to a friend who's a bartender and we have a conversation, I leave like $25. Right. Well, also, usually that friend is hooking you the fuck up. But uh, this is true. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's it's so I sh maybe should have addressed it a little more diplomatically, but nonetheless, like I'm not fucking wrong. Shake Shack is the shit because of that. 
their their employees are all paid fifteen dollars an hour, I think, or I think it starts at thirteen. In and out does that also. Yeah. So that's a good thing. Whataburger definitely doesn't do that. They definitely mm-hmm. fucking pay minimum wage. Oh yeah, but, for um, sure. Uh, but yeah, the I, Danny Pyre, the Danny Meyer European model is great. Um, I have known some people that have worked at Blue Smoke specifically that complained about it because they actually did make more money other places as a tipped employee. Okay, well, because I mean, you think about it, like you're gonna get fifteen to eighteen dollars an hour. Yeah, and that's all you're gonna get, right? But at other places, you could make seven hundred dollars in a day. Yeah, right. On a Friday and six hundred on a Saturday. Obviously, I'm talking very specific to Manhattan right. restaurant game. Right. If you're right. anywhere right. else, like for example, your very negative experience when you first moved back to Texas. Right. Right. Where people don't fucking tip very well. Right. Or at all sometimes. Yes. You know, New York, L.A., you can make some goddamn great money in tips in the right places. Sure. But anywhere sure. else in the country, the Danny Meyer no model way. is more required. Yeah. <laughs> we we got to move. We got to move that way. And all, and honestly, like the people that like are in those high end gigs where they make a shitload of money to in tips, they're probably still going to get those tips, whether or not they're making a base salary of. 50k a year or something you know what i mean mm-hmm. like those those rich people want to be taken care of absolutely they want to be able to know that they can come and they can leave and not be bothered it's like chris rock still goes to a barbershop in new jersey right yeah like it's like he goes to you know it's a fucking barbershop y'all know what i'm talking about it's chris rock um and he just says he always just hands the dude 150 bucks. This is a place that gives $10 haircuts. And he always just gives the guy 100 bucks because he doesn't want to worry about it. Mm-hmm. He doesn't want to worry. He doesn't want to talk about how he wants his hair done. He doesn't want to be bothered while he's doing it, while he's getting his hair done. But at the same time, still wants to be, be able to talk to people and, you know, have that barbershop experience. Yeah. Um, and he pays way more than he has to be because of, because he's, because he can. Yeah. There's this like, (laughs) there's like a cool, like, and it's very, you know, Northeastern thing I find. I mean, when I lived in Texas, I mean, I just would go to different places that were open and get my haircut and it was always a blah haircut, whatever. Oh yeah. But then like you moved to New York and you get like your barber. Was, I've been going to the same barber since I moved here. My boy Danny hit him up. Danny Martinez, best barber in town for my money. Um, and he's sure. got a stable of clients that just follow him around anywhere that he's working. And he's always working in these dope ass little shops where it's like this cool culture of like just hanging around the shop, busting balls. Right. You know, right. Like a right. bunch of dudes hanging around in this fucking barber shop just talking shit and it's so much fun i would go my my my, whenever i was up there i would go to this place on union avenue and uh, metropolitan in williamsburg it was run by afghani russians that like bought the place and then bought the building in the 90s and now they just kind of they have a studio where they cut hair for 15 dollars and uh 
you know, when you get in there, you're watching whatever movies in the theater on a, on a DVD player. <laughs> Bought right off the street in Chinatown, baby. But probably not. Didn't even make it over the river. I'm guessing. I'm not feeling <laughs> that uh, that those movies are just brought right to the house. Um, so it's whatever movies in the theater. I saw so many Marvel movies or like so many like 20 minute clips of these Mar- Mar- Marvel movies at this uh, sitting in this barbershop. They give you sometimes they give you uh, some hooch that they made because you know Hell they're yeah. Russians. They make vodka and uh, yeah. best haircut of my life. You never had to worry about anything. You just Fuck sit yeah. down, give them twenty five bucks. I literally tipped them. It was a fifteen dollar haircut. I tipped them ten dollars because the haircut was so good. Hell yeah. It's little things like that about New York when like something is so concentrated with so many people and so many businesses. You like have to do a good job. Right. Yeah. Like, you know, you have to do a good job or you're going to go out of business. Like in Texas, a place can kind of survive on its fucking, can like rest on its laurels. And it's like, well, we got the doors open. Well, that'll do for service. They can just like rest on their loans a lot of times. Like, like, which happens up there too. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I find that it's, I don't know. Some places around here, it just blows my mind what's going on. Yeah. Well, I just find quality to be higher here. Like, because the quality has to be high in order to stay open, let alone, we're not even talking about competing. We're talking about keeping the fucking doors open. Yeah. Yeah. And to compete, it has to be super high quality. I think that that's true in Manhattan. That's not necessarily true throughout all of New York. Yeah. I mean, you know, we've had this conversation before. I will, yeah. I, I've only ever lived in Manhattan. Right. <laughs> so yeah. I only know. <laughs> Some of those bodegas and bushes might get a little dicey, if you know what I mean. <laughs> I've been to a couple of them with you. Oh, and it was... I lived right above a couple of few. <laughs> oh, brother, those were good times. Remember that junkie that worked at the bodega underneath my place on Wilson Avenue? Oh, there, yeah. Guys, there was this like full blown needle in the arm every morning junkie that worked at this bodega in my building uh in brooklyn for five years and you would see him at seven in the morning shooting up in a phone booth that doesn't have a phone in it and uh he'd get like he'd he would just be getting off of work having cleaned the bodega and then he'd be in and out of the bodega all day on heroin or or another big popular drug was spice Fake weed. Oh, I remember that shit. Yeah, uh, that was a huge thing in Bushwick for junkies. It was how they like if they couldn't find uh, heroin, they would do that shit, and um, it was wild, y'all. <laughs> Great bodega, by the way, awesome. But he kept that place fucking clean, bro. He needed to do heroin. Yeah. <laughs> fucking uh, weird thing I found out. It's funny the things you find out as you get older. I always thought heroin was like an expensive drug. No. Because you always heard about, all, all I ever heard about was like famous people doing it. Right. So I thought, oh, these famous rich people do it. It must be an expensive, hard drug to get, expensive drug. No, it's cheaper right. than pot. Right. It's scary. It's, that's why it's so bad. Yeah. That's one of the reasons why it's so bad. It's Stay away from great. heroin, y'all. The mat Absolutely. on that creed. Stay away from heroin. Yes, absolutely. Uh, steer clear. 
ladies yeah, and gentlemen. I'm going to get that tattooed on my chest. This is one of those misconceptions I had growing up. Like, I don't know, because I'll... I remember watching a, a behind the music and it was like Nikki six dabbled in heroin and like many yeah. rock stars tended to do. And I was like, Oh, that's a rock star drug. That's you gotta be super expensive. And then like Pulp Fiction, he goes yeah. and buys heroin and it's like, this is $1,200. It's like, yeah. Oh man, only rich people can do that. And then you like move to a major city and it's like every bum on the planet is doing Does fucking it. heroin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's crazy to me how prevalent it is. It's still like a like people do it. Yeah, I you know I don't know I don't want to out anybody, but like I had an experience with a person that I was trying to potentially date at one point, falls off the face of the earth for a week and then comes out of it and is like, oh sorry, I got caught up on the horse, and it was just like, are you fucking serious? I caught up on the horse. <laughs> but but like but, that was I know this is a serious story and I know <laughs> the person that you're talking about. I've met yeah. this person and <laughs> I just like I should like, be uh, taking this like way way more serious, but I'm not caught up on the horse. <laughs> well, I mean it was it was it's like how do you bring it up? <laughs> I was like, oh well, this is over. <laughs> Come over and watch a movie, I guess. I'm not getting any uh, anyway. Anyway, um, you know, no judgment. Everybody's got their own experience, their own life. They got to live, uh, whatever. But one time, my mom listened to the to an episode of the podcast, and she was like, "Because I laugh at your bullshit a lot on here," and she was like, "You know, you should you should be a professional laugher. You got a really good <laughs> laugh." And I was like, Mom, I don't think that's a job. <laughs> <laughs> I wish it was. God, I'd be fucking loaded. <laughs> right? I'd be fucking crushing it, dude. <laughs> I remember one time I went to the fucking comedy cellar with Justin, my old buddy from my old life, who's a great guy. You know Justin. Yeah, Justin's cool. And I went to the cellar together. And after we left, we were having a drink. And he was like, dude they should like pay you to sit in comedy crowds. And I was like, why? And he's like, you've got such a great laugh. Like it almost felt like the crowd wouldn't laugh until they heard you laugh. And then when they heard you laugh, they all started laughing. I was like, this is such a weird skill to have. I don't know what to all tell right. you. <laughs> odd compliment. I don't know Very what to tell you, man. Odd compliment. I, I, just... I know what, I, I get similar feedback. Sometimes I've been told <laughs> I have a very loud and distinctive laugh. Um, and yeah, my dad has one whenever I'm in shows. And if it's at all funny, I have to like get a warning before my dad shows up because it's like, <laughs> it's so distracting. He's so ridiculous. He laughs so hard at everything. And especially whenever it's me. And then he acts like he's not biased. And he's like, no, you're really actually funny. And it's like, dad, get real. <laughs> Dude, when I was your son. <laughs> when I was in high school doing one act play, we would always go to clinics and we'd go to this guy's camp every summer. Guy named, uh, uh, God rest his soul, Tal Lestraco, fantastic director and acting coach and a fucking character, dude. This yeah. guy was like six foot three, 400 pounds. Nice. Bald with a big white beard always dressed to the fucking nines you know what i mean and super raspy voice and like super gay 
And like, and I don't mean that in a negative way. Just like, but you know what I mean? Uh, yes. It's, uh, he's obviously a gay man. He literally talked like this. No, you had a Harvey Keitel. Matt, when I tell you that you did a great job in this play, like just, oh my Lord, this guy was a legend, a legend, but he had the most distinct and ridiculous fucking laugh I've ever heard in my life. So the upperclassmen would always have to talk to the lowerclassmen when it was they're doing their first Talistraco clinic. Because we always did comedies. Because for some reason, we just had a crew for comedy when I was in high school. You know what I mean? Sure. So it was always, hey, so something you guys need to know about doing this clinic with Tal. Because you know you're doing a clinic. You, it's like one or two people in the theater. You're really just right. doing this for notes from another director. Mm-hmm. But Tal would laugh at shit. You know, you get other clinicians that would laugh. But Tal... His laugh would throw you off if you never heard it because there's a punchline or a bit of business, whatever, that's supposed to elicit a laugh and there'd be a pause and then you'd hear from the back of a, from the back of a theater, you'd just hear and you would, it would completely throw you off your game. Completely take you out of character. Laugh. It was fucking great, dude. This guy was <laughs> it was weird in all the best ways, but he was also a fucking theater genius. Fuck yeah. Hell yes. I bring that up to tell you get listeners out there about a dream I had the other night. Here we go. Dream talk. Dream <laughs> talk. Let's talk about our dreams. This tell dream me, was tell so me, tell me, tell fucking me. ridiculous that I woke up at 7 a.m. and was like, I've got to text Matt about this immediately before I forget about it. So uh, in what short, was this? yeah, yeah, yeah. In short, in the dream, I dreamt that Matt and I, as 33-year-old grown men, Posed as high school students to enter the Texas UIL one act play competition. We put on the two man play red about (laughs) art. um, And we made it, we went all the way and won the state championship (laughs) and won co co best actor awards, which has never been done before at the state level. Uh, (laughs) But Hey, it's us. Hey, it's us. And like, I remember very oddly specific things from the dream. Like I'm going up to receive my best actor award. And uh-huh. like, I just turned to the crowd for no reason and yelled Randy macho man, savage. Like, <laughs> <laughs> then like we win the, we wins the state championship. We get the state championship trophy. And they're like, where's your director? And we're like, oh, she couldn't make it. Um, who was our director? It was us. We directed oh. it. Oh, we just were it like, just, it's some lady. She's not yeah, here. She couldn't make it. She had a kid. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know how they are. You know how it goes. You know how women, am I right? They um, always need time off. <laughs> so, yeah, we win the state championship. 
And then I come back to New York and I've got the UIL one act play state championship trophy in my apartment. And I'm like, yeah, we really pulled one over on those motherfuckers. Didn't we? And then I like woke up from the dream and was so disappointed that it wasn't real. Well, whenever I get hired at the Texas public school system, we are definitely going to try this eventually. (laughs) They're going to be like these guys. Their skill level is way above high school. We're going to be like, yeah, I know. (laughs) Oddly, they looked age appropriate for the roles. (laughs) Are you pantsless? No. Okay. I just thought, I was like, I just was like, oh my God, did Matt just show me his vagina? What the fuck was that? (laughs) Oh, it's my wearing basketball shorts, baby. Oh, okay. Okay. I was just adjusting my shirt because I'm laying on the bed, face stomach down, because uh, uh, I normally record in the living room, but uh, yeah. Andrea decided that she needed to watch a Minecraft video in there. So I love that your wife is a bigger nerd than me. Oh, bro, <laughs> she's got like this gang of like kids, like seventeen-year-old kids that she watches stream on Twitch. All right. Well, check. I mean, honestly, I'm impressed by what these kids have accomplished. Okay. They're 17. They all have hundreds of thousands of subscribers on Twitch, and they're all making like 250 grand a month. And they're all from England. And they're weird. All right. What the fuck? Yeah. They're weirdos, dude. Anybody out there, look up Tommy in it. All right, we'll get that. You want to do recommendsies? No, nah, I don't want to recommend them. Fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. but if we are going to do recommendsies, I got a movie I watched last night that I'd love to recommend, even though I'm late on it. Let's talk about it. Let's play the theme right now. We're all gonna die. It's our only guarantee. Just to pass the time, I suggest you listen to me. It's the Matt on that podcast. Recommend So I know I'm Tell a little me. behind here. I know uh-huh. I'm a little behind here. This movie did come out a while back. What is it? I finally watched Bad Trip. Okay, yes, yes. I've seen this movie. We can talk about it. Starring Tiffany Haddish and Eric Andre. And, and Lil Ray Elroy. Thank you, because I couldn't remember his name off the top of my head. He's because hilarious. Han- right, because Hannibal Burris is a landlord and he doesn't have to work anymore. And <laughs> also uh, had recently got a DUI and so is a bigger insurance risk for the movie studio. Not that DUI. I'm talking shit about not that not, not I'm talking shit about Hannibal Burris, who quote tweeted me uh, in a tweet that I did not tag him in where I called him a landlord and he got mad at me for calling him a landlord, even though he's a landlord. Anyway, well, you put a pretty strongly negative connotation on him being a landlord. He doesn't have to work. He's a landlord. It's <laughs> just a fact. That's all I said. It's true. I wish I was he- a landlord. Then he told you your rent was late. <laughs> he did, <laughs> which was very funny. Yes. So yeah. bad trip. Bad um, trip. Anyway, same producer, the same creator as Jackass. Same executive right? producer as Jackass. The Jackass films and Bad Grandpa. Okay. Yeah, which guys, if you haven't great. seen Bad Grandpa with Johnny Knoxville, you got to. 
Oh, you're missing out. And bad it's trip the, is the same. Yes. Yeah, sorry. It's the uh, bad it, trip. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's the same deal. Um, essentially, what it is is you got these three actors, and there's a a storyline that, but it's all improv. And throughout the movie, all the everything is advanced by them playing pranks on unknowing citizens. Right. They just like, oh, we're going to New York. Let's stop in, in North Carolina along the way and get fake hammered at this bar and jump off the bar into this box and then throw up all over everybody or get fucking raped by a gorilla. Or get raped by a gorilla very vividly oh. and very explicitly and very much. That's an intense scene, y'all. It's it's incredibly funny what the, the was... way these people react and just it's like, what the fuck? I was it's crying, really laughing, yes. absolutely crying. Yes. Eric Andre, for those of you who don't know, Eric Andre, look, some people have called him a little bit of a vibe thief. He definitely has a Tom Green uh, thing about him and a jackass thing about him. He's lifted a few Tom Green pranks for sure. That's definitely documented. But it doesn't matter because that shit is always funny and people's reactions are always different. So you could do the same prank and get a different have it go differently. Um, and and Eric is incredible at getting reactions out of people. He is so fucking unbelievably like, like the, the, like, okay. To give you a little perspective on Eric Andre, whenever he was like in his early mid twenties, he decided that he was living in New York, trying to do comedy. Nothing was working out. He was broke as shit. And, um, but he had a place in Manhattan and it was costing him, you know, an arm and a leg. And he was only doing comedy, which doesn't pay that much or whatever, especially when you're first starting out. And um, he decides, you know what? I'm going to sublet my room and be homeless for a summer and just do comedy like 24 seven. And this dude, this motherfucker did that. He couch surfed and slept on the fucking subway just so he could stay in New York and continue to dedicate himself to to comedy. He's also a graduate of the Berklee School of Music as a bass player. Oh, that's right. So he's got this brain on him that just doesn't give a fuck and can do anything he sets his mind to. Like, he... The first, I mean, okay, we already spoiled the gorilla rape scene, um, but uh, the the first thing he does in this movie is like ex- completely expose his cock and balls to a total stranger, and then he gets this stranger to ask a girl for her number for him, and and the guy does it and gets the number, and also throws him his jacket to put on his bare balls. Yes. I'll say this. That dude that was the mark of that prank, he is the fucking homie. And if he's the kind of friend you want, that dude was a fucking trooper. He just gave everything to this total stranger who was clearly like an idiot and a predator. (laughs) 
and immediately bought in. It was, it's just like, it's the greatest beginning to a prank movie I've ever seen. Oh. So I wholeheartedly endorse this recommend thee. I did a little quick research real quick. The, the man's name is Jeff Tremaine. He, okay. He's the creator of this genre. He created Jackass oh. and Bad Grandpa and all the subsequent Jackass films. He also had a um, two seasons of an original series on the WWE Network called Swerved, that which was sense. a prank show, but it okay. was revolved around WWE superstars. And the first season was them pranking the superstars. And the second season was the superstars pranking fans. And there was this great one that they did. It was, it was in Chicago at the uh, Rosemont Horizon, or the Allstate Arena, formerly known as the Rosemont Horizon, where they had a security guard who was not letting the superstars into the fucking stage door, whatever they call it at an arena, but we'll call it the stage door for our purposes. And the best, re well, number one, like, you know, Seth Rollins at the time was world champion. And the guy was like, are you a wrestler? And he was like, am I a wrestler? I'm, I'm the world champion, man. Like, yeah, I should be on the list. And then the best one was they wouldn't let Ric Flair in. Woo! Wouldn't let Ric Flair in. And it's like this security guard's an actor, you know? And the security guard's like, I'm sorry, you're not on the list. And the guy and Ric Flair's like, I mean, you know me. It's WWE. It's me. You know me. And the guy looks at Ric Flair, who's in a full three-piece suit with Rolexes and jewelry, <laughs> and says, I'm sorry, are you a wrestler? And Rick looks at him and goes, son, I am wrestling. That's incredible. <laughs> Look at this. Look incredible. at this. Incredible. Oh, there's a puppy dog in my camera. Who's he this? Didn't like this is Rooney. Hey, Rooney. Rooney's a big girl. She's very, 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 very sweet, and she didn't like that I just the just did the Ric Flair thing. I'm sorry, Rooney. I'm oh. sorry. Oh, now Moose is coming up because he can hear him petting Ro Rooney. Oh. Um, I'm in Richardson, folks. Oh. My recommendy is um, totally different, completely different gear. Uh, Rooney, I got to tell them what I'm what I'm going to do. You got to stop kissing me. Um, uh, is at Eternity's Gate starring Willem Dafoe uh, as Vincent Van Gogh. Hell yes. Great fucking movie. Here's the deal, y'all. One thing I know that I'm a crass, loudmouth motherfucker on this show. But what you don't know about me is that I'm like a sensitive artist who does who has incredibly uh, hoity-toity taste. Uh, I'll never forget taking you. It was like one of the last things I, one of the last like downtown uh, theater events I went to. It was that dance show that Dan Safer did uh, at the Invisible Doll. You remember, I just remember you being like, these people are so far up their ass. Anyway, that's my scene. That's like one of my scenes. <laughs> I'm very pretentious. And this film is very pretentious and very up that alley that I love. It is gorgeous. And there's, you know, a couple of moments I didn't love, but, uh, or actually there's one moment I didn't love whenever it's implied that he assaults this woman. But it, it just felt like too much. It felt like it didn't. Like, I've never heard that story about Van Gogh. Anyway, um, it's 
guys, it's amazing. It's about Vincent Van Willem Dafoe plays Vincent Van Gogh in the last few months of his life. Um, Oscar Isaac plays this other painter, Paul Gung Gunguin. Who does who does he play? Um, it doesn't have very good reviews, to be honest. Yeah, Oscar Isaac plays Paul Gauguin or whatever. Mads Mikkelsen is a priest. Uh, anyway, it's just beautiful. You get to see Willem Dafoe. He paints all of these Van Gogh paintings. Like it shows Van Gogh's uh, process. I don't know. I mean, we have a varied audience. Um, I'm sure a few of you have seen Van Gogh in person. Uh, and if you do, I mean, he's very, he's such a like, legend at this point you have to know you have to like you know how textural his paintings are and how visceral they are and how they look almost more like sculptures than paintings sometimes mm -hmm. and you get to kind of you get plugged into that process and why his paintings look the way that they do i mean he would knock these paint he would these masterpieces he would knock them out in a day and yeah. no other painter worked at that rate. Like everyone else took their time and, um, you know, thought very carefully about what they were doing. But Mingo was just powered by some sort of manic. It, he would go in these manic fucking creative. Uh, we'll call it like a rant. Like if a, yeah. if a painter could rant on a canvas. And right. I, I love that you mentioned seeing Van Gogh's art in real life. Right. Because, you, know, you can look at the Starry Night print and be like, that's a really pretty picture. But right. when you see his work in real life and you see just like how much paint is on the canvas. Right. Piled up and like comes off the canvas. It's unfucking believable it's so emotional and so just like you can tell this guy just like I had to, had to get this out of him. Like, like he, like he just, he didn't, he like, he had no choice, uh, but to paint. And he would, I mean, he painted these amazing landscapes while the sun was setting. And it's like, you think about how long a sunset lasts for what, two and a half hours. Yeah, maybe on a you know good day. Just not he'd paint a sunset in a day. Yeah, it like, and you get to see that process. Uh, Willem Dafoe is, uh, you know, he's one of the goats. I fucking love that man. Oh, I love yeah. that. I, I love his approach to acting in terms of a career. I love that he has no qualms about doing superhero movies just so he can then go and do this project. Um, yeah. Because like this means so much to him. Another great movie of his is The Lighthouse, um, where he has this other completely award-worthy, like, performance in it. And I, and, and I feel the same way about this performance. A lot of people, I'm looking at IMDb, it has a pretty low rating for this movie. But... I mean, if you're a Willem Dafoe fan, also check out the Florida Project. Yes, yes. That's another great... The dude just puts out these indie flicks that are just so, like... He's so amazing. His face is just so incredible. Um, and he's so out of control, but in control and willing to dive in uh, into these people. And, 
I mean, there's scenes in this movie where it just looks like they were like, hey, Willem, we're just going to take you out of the field and film you while the sun sets. And they just let like this scene where he puts dirt on his face and it and then it, it ages him like 10 years in 30 seconds. And then Van Gogh goes to like a bar afterwards and everyone's just like, what the fuck is wrong with you? You look crazy. But it just looks like they just kept filming from Willem like rubbing this dirt on his face that looked like a complete I mean, I get that like it's obviously he there's a director there and the director was probably like grab that dirt, put it on your face. But it looks so organic that I almost believe that Willem just made that choice. You know, yeah. it's kind of like Francis sure. Dorman in Nomadland. There's moments like that with her in that movie as well. Like, like, I don't know. Check like out. when I, she gets naked and swims in the river, like yeah. that felt like a, that, that felt like Francis did that. Right. And then like they that, were, right. Like they spent an hours in silence next to this pool, like that nature in nature and just filmed whatever Francis was going to do, and they got that. And th that happens in this movie with Willem at, Eternity, at Eternity's Gate. He's just in a wheat field, pulling up all the crops, and oh, it's so beautiful. And But keep in mind, it's my recommendsy, and I'm a pretentious prick. Like, this is <laughs> definitely an art house movie. This is definitely not uh, up everyone's fucking sleeve. But I love this movie, and I can't recommend it highly enough. And I love talking about Willem Dafoe and Francis McDormand. It just kind of reminds me of like working with Laura, characterization, uh -huh. and like really committing and really being full. Uh -huh. Like they do it in a way that obviously we were doing. You know, in that class, we were doing the style, which is really right. heightened, really different. stylized, different. But watching actors like Willem Dafoe and Francis McDormand is like really seeing that put on a like commercial scale. Yeah. Of just absolute commitment and fullness in what is a real person. Mm -hmm. Not a stylized character that you're doing for this, ex for this right. very specific type of theater. Right. But like as an actual working professional actor being right that level of full and committed to a character and i just fucking adore those actors and yeah love watching their shit <laughs> yeah so check it out at eternity's gate recommends these check out bad trip they couldn't be two more different movies <laughs> but god damn it they're both good <laughs> should we do the don't at me bro i have i am full of cum and ready to do this don't at me oh, bro fucking hit me bro hit me with it yeah Here's the theme. Here we go. Don't have me, bro. 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 Do not have me, bro. Oh, yeah. Do not have me, bro. Do not have me, bro. Don't do it. Don't at me, you motherfuckers talking about St. Vincent isn't enough of an abolitionist, a prison abolitionist. You dumb shit motherfuckers. 
That inter- that interview should have never been leaked. She pulled it for a reason. You don't know what's going on. Here's what I'm betting is going on. She was like, why did that woman keep asking about my dad? And then she told her agent that. And then her agent talked to a lawyer. And that lawyer probably said, well, when did her dad get out of jail? And then the agent goes, 2019. And he goes, well, then that motherfucker is still on parole and you shouldn't be talking about his case. It's as simple as that. Like, like, guys, 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 rock stars are not legislators. They are not in charge. They, like rock stars, comedians, actors, cooks, uh, like famous chefs. These people are here to do one job and do that job well. I read the interview that she pulled. So here's the deal. The St. Vincent, Dallas native, Annie Clark, pulled an interview from Jezebel uh, where the interviewer asked her two times about her father, her biological father's uh, white-collar crimes. Her dad did some fucked-up shit. I don't really understand it. It was a pump-and-dump scam. He stole $43 million. That motherfucker was in jail from 2012 to 2019, which is longer than a lot of murderers go to jail. Uh, So he definitely fucking served his time for whatever it was that he did. And also, she didn't grow up with him. And Okay, so in the interview, they asked, so it seems like you're talking about your relationship with your father in this. Uh, do you want to talk about that at all? There's this like daddy character, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, well, you know, I just have, I'm reacquainting myself with my dad and he's a complicated man. And he has this kind of fucked up past that I don't really understand. And uh, I'm not really trying to make a statement one way or another. I just am taking that experience and creating something different with these songs and writing upon it. Like any writer of any genre has ever done, ever. And she isn't looking to um, uh, be some sort of uh, uh, prison abolitionist or, or, uh, or even like some crazy right-wing, like, everybody should be locked up motherfucker like she's just like i had this i have this weird relationship with my dad where i really didn't know him that much as a kid and now he's out of jail after doing this crazy thing and i am rekindling a relationship with him which is fascinating very like 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 and this reporter wanted her to take some sort of criminal justice stance which in the year 2021 and everything else that is going on, I kind of understand addressing it once. But the fact that this woman went back and harped on it again in the interview after Annie was just like, look, it's not really about criminal justice. It's about this relationship that I am experienced or this experience that I'm going through with the relationship with my father. But, but it's also not explicitly about her father because she wants it to be more generalized so that she could sell some fucking pop records. Shockingly. Like, 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 because that's what she's always done. That's what she's always going to do. And, you know, the only crime Andy Clark is, is, is guilty of is playing guitar for the polyphonic spree. <laughs> oh my God. Don't at me, bro. You guys are fucking exhausting. This is also being an idiot and 
not having enough to do when I'm at work uh, and being on Twitter and just seeing <laughs> these idiots get riled up. I saw people talking. I can't listen to her music anymore. It's like you can't listen to Los Ageless because of this. You can go read the interview, Matt. It's out there. Nothing's in it that's weird. It's just like she says what it is, and then the woman harps on it again, and then Annie talked to her agent about it, I assume, who talked to a lawyer who said talking about the specifics of his crime. He's on parole because that's because that's just the way the legal system works. Like you're, If you're a rich dude that did rich dude crimes, you can afford lawyers that will send cease and desist letters that say, hey, don't talk about this while it's still going on. Mm-hmm. It's just the reality of the world. And not everybody needs to take a prison abolitionist stance. Get real. I don't know. I've convicted someone of murder in my life. I watched a woman's throat get ripped out on camera, and I saw close-ups of the three ventricles, veins in her neck that were removed. Uh, And I felt absolutely no guilt convicting that motherfucker who did that of murder and sending him to prison. So I don't know. I don't like this is not my most liberal left leaning fucking view. Prisons are there to remove people that are harmful. And maybe if you stole $43 million, you're a little harmful to society. I don't know. Um, But nonetheless, if my father had done that and he got out, I'd want to still know him. Uh, It's just crazy to me. It's and totally, I'm so sick of this culture that I hate to say it's cancel culture because then I sound like a Republican, but like, it's like, it is there, right? Am I right? Am I it wrong? It absolutely like- is. And I, I'm going to piggyback off of your don't at me, bro. And I'm going to say, don't at me. Fucking, I'm going to say words that I probably shouldn't say because I might, I run the risk of sounding like a right wing Republican if I say these words, but yeah. don't at me fucking social justice warriors on Twitter. Not everything is a goddamn fucking scheme. Not everything is some big uh, government conservative fucking scheme to destroy your life and to destroy the life of trans and black people. Right, right. It's just like... Not everybody deserves to lose their entire life because you... Because they may have said something that doesn't exactly... Uh, agreed with your politics to the letter right or doesn't completely the prison abolitionist movement is so frustrating to me i don't i I don't know enough about it and i'm a little too worked up to talk about it intelligently right now but but like because they equate because it comes from a good place right i think it does I think, I think it, it comes, comes from a, I think it comes from a place of of not knowing or having enough experience with certain things. Uh, prison reform, absolutely. Yes, absolutely. Criminal justice reform, absolutely. absolutely. Abolition of prisons. What that are we doing, guys? Sounds like some upper middle class suburban bullshit. You moved, like, you grew up in some comfy, rich white right. neighborhood, and then you moved to a major city and you right. thought, this is how people, this is, 
oh no, nobody should be in prison. Well, yeah, you say that because you've never been around real shit. I grew up in the right. Fucking, I grew up in the fucking hood, dude. And there are right. motherfuckers there that needed to go to prison. And guess what? They did. Yes. Like there are rapists out there. There are murderers out there. And there are people doing that if you don't separate them from the rest of us. It's just, it's so crazy to me. There are people that like her dad, like St. Vincent's dad, who will steal $43 million. That's mm-hmm. an insane amount of money. The amount of lives he had to would have had to have affected to do that is unconscionable. And yeah. so, but nonetheless, it's like if I wasn't, I mean, I am an artist. And if I had, um, I mean, I do have members of my family who have done shit that is got like, like I, I'm not going to get into it, but like, but I still have a love and an affection and, and a desire to know them better and understand why, like, it's not crazy to me to, to write a song about your dad that was in jail and then not having a super strong opinion about prisons in America after that experience. I just yeah. don't think it's crazy. I don't think it's crazy. I, I, to, to be honest, I think Annie Clark, look, I don't know Annie Clark. I don't represent Annie Clark. That doesn't even need to be said. I don't know what her what she thinks about it, and she's never going to tell me, but I would imagine if I were her. Uh, I, uh, um, it's like, yeah, my dad did some fucked shit, but now he's out and he wants to get to know me. What am I supposed to do? Not just ignore this guy? Yeah. Like that, that, like that's, I don't know. Well, like, it, you know, the people on Twitter that just come for people's heads, it's yeah. absolutely mind boggling. So, example, one of those uh, Twitch streamers that Andrea follows, kid named Tommy Innit, 17 year old kid from Nottingham in the UK. And he's just a fucking goofy 17 year old that plays Minecraft and streams on Twitch. Well, he did a collab video on YouTube with KSI. Uh, one of the biggest YouTubers, uh, rapper, boxer, uh, guy from London. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, the 14 year old Twitter sphere went in on Tommy for, for collabing with KSI because one time KSI said the word tranny four years ago which makes KSI a transphobe, which now, because Tommy associated himself with KSI, makes Tommy a transphobe. And so they hardcore tried to cancel Tommy as a transphobe because he did a video with KSI who said the word tranny four years ago. So the mental gymnastics that these people pull to try and ruin somebody's life is disgusting to me. It's disgusting and it's making the world a worse place. Yes. Don't at me. Don't bro. at me, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's it. We've been going for a while now. Oh yeah, we're well, we're over an hour. Yeah. Uh, this, um, fucking, this was a mental dump. If it wasn't anything else, baby. Bro, what a what an episode. <laughs> Loser Matt is dead for at least a summer. What else happened? Uh, I yelled about you, Saint Vincent. You're uh, doing Dallas haunted ghost tours. We're, 
once I get those promo codes, y'all, you better fucking show up if you're in Dallas. You and I better do it. Play state championship. We did, which I will do whenever (laughs) I get hired by a school. Uh, Guys, that's a joke. I'm not actually going to do that. Uh, Whoever listens, whoever finds this and is trying to hire me. Title of this episode, 2021 UIL One Act Play State Champions. Great. I love it. <laughs> Follow me on Twitter at Twitterfield, on Instagram at uh, Matters. Check out mattbutterfield.net. Uh, You're sweating. I think, yeah, I know. It's hot in this room. No, and, I love um, it. I mean, you got, we, we, were, we did some work today, baby. Dude, Nobody works as hard as podcasters. Nobody works harder than us. Um, it's it's humid as fuck in this house. Uh, not that I'm complaining. I love it here. I love these dogs. Um, anyway, uh, that's it from me. I think. What do you got? Hit me up at Matt Beery zero six on Instagram, on Twitter. Hit us up at mattonmattpod at gmail with any of your questions, yes. comments, concerns. Uh, give the concerns to yourself. I mean, if our don't at me, bro, wasn't evident enough, we don't give a fuck if you if we offended you. We're tired of hearing about it. I'm done. I'm fucking through with your feelings. We got <laughs> Trump out of office and then you still didn't stop this shit. Fuck you. Fuck your mother. If your There's mother's a lot dead, of problems in the world. If your mother's dead, fuck her corpse. Too far? Uh, I don't endorse that. Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to stop you from saying it, but uh, sure. Uh, <laughs> We're goddamn right. First Amendment, motherfucker. Listen, I believe in the first minute we got to stop. Um, <laughs> goodbye, everybody. I love you. <laughs> I love you. Mm-hmm.